0: time for coffee with the chicken ladies a podcast for people who love chickens
1: hey everybody and welcome it's christine holly from coffee with the chicken ladies we're here and this is episode number 18 of our podcast where we talk about everything chicken family fun and more chickens more chickens we drink a ton of coffee i'm talking a ton but most importantly, we hug chickens every day. Every day. Don't forget and kiss them too. We drink coffee from a little brew house here in Bel Air, Maryland. Coffee, coffee. Holly Ann, what kind of coffee are we drinking today? Hazelnut. Oh, I love me some hazelnut. Yeah. So if you, if you love great coffee, scones, cookies, and all kinds of great stuff, and you're local, head on over to Coffee, coffee. You will not be disappointed. Well, End of March. Mm-hmm. Time to say bye-bye, March. Adios, winter. See you later. Out of here. And April is known for flowers and sun, but also a little rain, but we can deal. Yeah, the spring rain's not the end of the world. No. That's, that's after having inches of ice and snow for most of February. Yeah. Part of March, yeah. So what have you been up to? We are redesigning the inside of both of our really big runs. Oh, but you got those Pyormies that are going in there. Yes, so we definitely want some vertical space for them. Oh yeah. And in the other coop the Swedish flowers are continually annoying the daylights out of my poor Brahmas. Yeah. So we're just making a lot more habitat in there so the girls have more space, spaces to get away from like each other. Like some fun stuff, like jungle gyms for chickens, basically. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah like mm-hmm. so they can go and not be right on top of each Lots other. Lots of logs and limbs and that kind of thing. I feel like at the end of winter, early spring, the chickens are all kind of like people. Like they're all cooped up for so uh-huh. long. Sorry <laughs> <laughs> in the pun. Cabin fever. <laughs> Cabin fever. Coop fever. Yeah, and they just want to get out, do some free-ranging. And then it feels like once it gets warm after a few weeks, everybody kind of chills out. Probably. You're probably right. I don't remember as much bullying this time last year as I'm having right now. But if you remember, last winter was not nearly as bad as this No, it wasn't. That's true. And they've spent a lot of time in those coops. In the coops, right. right. So, I mean, they're like, you looked at me sideways. I'm now going to peck you in the eye. Kind of. That's sort of what it is. <laughs> it's a lot of nest box drama. A couple of the Swedish flowers trying to keep all of the brahmas out of the nest boxes. Oh, yeah. They always do that. It's like somebody has an injury, like Iris, that mm-hmm. one day I showed you. She got it. She must have been in a nest box. Somebody uh, yeah. was like, you need to get up and go, sister. And they pecked her in the head. And it's like, seriously? We've collected some, just the top part of some lidded. Uh, kitty litter boxes. Yeah, it's a great idea. And so I still need to scrub them out, and we're gonna put them in on top of a bed of straw. And right. I got I got some of the ceramic eggs. Right. To put the girls in there so they see where to go, and I'm hoping the Brahmas will use them and cut down on the drama a little bit. Totally. Otherwise, I'm building another coop. And it's going to be designated Swedish flowers, and they're all going in that coop. All the bullies in one all coop. All the bullies in one coop. In my, uh... And then I'll get more bramas. The big girl flock, it's the cuckoo morans that are like, oh, we're just going to run the show. Yes. But they never go up against Buttercup and Bubbles, the buffs. The right. buffs rule it. They do. But the cuckoos are like, everybody else, stand back. They can be relentless, too, Yeah. So, Holly Ann pulls up today, I just think this is a cute story, we're recording and we meet up and all of a sudden she pulls up and she has Hamilton, (laughs) I mean, (laughs) layering, layering out of the car. I cannot say anything because I turn my music like all the way up in the car because I like to jam. But Holly Ann was jamming today. Might have happened. Might have happened. (laughs) Let me take a minute to tell you about Iowa Blue Farm. It's a woman-owned, family-run, all-natural, chicken-treat company in the Midwest, they make 100% all American oven dried black soldier fly grubs for all your poultry needs. So if you have chickens, turkeys, ducks, quail, pheasants, peacocks, we cover them all. We covered them all. They will love it. It's packed with calcium and protein. So it's good this time of year with all those egg laying issues out there to have a little extra calcium and protein. And they come running. They do. They love this treat. It's all natural, made right here in the United States. Top quality. You can feel good about feeding the street. And it's baked with love. Shipped with care. Shipping's always, always free. free. Okay. So, now we're moving on to our... Da-da-da-da. spotlight. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, this week we're doing the... Well Summer. The well Summer. A Dutch breed of chicken. We've covered all different kinds of chickens. We've done... Asian, English, mm-hmm. American, everything. So this is a new area of the world. French, we've done Italian, so Dutch. Right, so Dutch. The Welsomer is classed as a continental breed, Northern European breed by the APA. They were admitted to the standards of perfection in 1991. That seems late, but that's because the breed wasn't developed until the early 20th century in Holland, around a very pretty town called Welsum. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And they're not so old here in the U.S. Right. The breed debuted in 1921 at the world's first poultry congress at The Hague. Wow. Yeah. And then it showed up in the U.K. in about 1927 and in the U.S. about 1928. Those things don't surprise me. The U.K. and the U.S. are like big chicken hogs. Yeah. So when something's going to go from one smaller country to another, it's going to hit the UK and the US. Right. And even though it arrived in the 20s, it took a while before this breed gained some popularity. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, look at it. this one. It didn't go into... The standard of perfection until 1991. Exactly. Some of that also may have had to do with the fact that it was made up of all these breeds. It's made up of a lot, a lot, of breeds, a, lot yeah. a lot of different breeds. So it probably took a while before it was breeding true, was my guess. Exactly. And that's what we tend to always go back to as breeding standards. And it took a while to get to the point where right. they could say, okay, this is a breed and perfect the way it's supposed right. to be. So according to the standard of perfection, the foundation breeds that went into the Well Summer include... Now everybody sit down because this is a right, it's a long list. bit of a list, right? <laughs> the Partridge Cochin. Correct. The Partridge Dot. Okay. The Partridge Leghorn. It's Dutch, but it's got all different countries in right? here. Okay, go uh, ahead. The Barnevelder, which was another breed that was developed very nearby. Right. And the Rhode Island Red. Of course. That's a lot of chickens to That's make lot one chicken. chicken. Yes, it is. So they're light to medium in size. They have yellow legs, a single comb, red earlobes, and I quote, an intense red eye. They do. They do. they, they kind of a beady stare. <laughs> they look at you sideways. Yes, they do. So they're described as partridge. Right. Which I suppose makes sense, given there are so many partridge breeds that went into exactly. it. Exactly. They're described as partridge. Partridge is a brown, but it's filled with lovely hues and highlights. Yes. So it's actually very pretty. Really, really pretty. Not surprising, given the parent breeds, the Welsh Summer has a reputation for being very intelligent. Oh, yeah. yeah. As well as friendly and calm, even the roosters. One downside is that they can be quite talkative. I... Don't look at that as a downside. I don't either. I was going to say the same thing. I actually like a chatty chicken. I like a chicken where I walk into the coop or I walk into the run and mm-hmm. they're just talking away to me because I talk back. Right. I am right. like, hey, how's your day going? I guess, I guess it matters maybe if you are a city chicken keeper. If you are an urban keeper, you know you don't want them to be squawking, right? You don't know want your neighbors annoyed. But sometimes when the chickens just talk, it's not even that loud. I love hearing hens chattering, especially. Hey, I look at it this but if everybody can have dogs that bark, you can have chickens. There are ordinances for dogs barking in a Which lot of cities, too. Crazy, because we both have dogs. So, oh, I'd mean, be in trouble because my dogs <laughs> are loose cannons and bark morning, noon, and night. And I just I don't think of that as a downside, but that's just me. And that's no, really, I'm, the same thing for you. Yeah, I enjoy it, too. I really like all the sounds. So the Well Summer are good layers of dark brown. It's often described as terracotta color. Okay. But usually speckled eggs. Yeah. Yes. Very pretty. They don't usually go broody. So That's one of their main things is that if you want this chicken to sit on an egg, uh-huh. it's not going to happen. Not going to happen. Okay. Like, so you're you going to lay brooding. an egg and get the heck out of the coop <laughs> <laughs> be like, I'm done. It came out. That's do. it. That's the leghorn. A leghorn is not going to go brood Right, right. Well, so, as we've said before, leghorns in the Mediterranean weren't selected for being good setters. No, so. no, not at all. And plus, they're not built for that either. right. They're right. small chickens. Right yeah and the well summer you you think it's a big chicken. it's really not it's not a big chicken at all. The body shape is like the leghorn. uh-huh you know we yeah. were talking before because not only do we when we record talk about these breeds, but we talk on an everyday basis about breeds right. also right and we were both saying that the well summer looks a lot like the brown leghorn. It does there are a lot of similarities there without the white ear lobes. And without laying a white egg. And they don't have quite as big a comb. Cone. Their comb is more medium sized right. instead of that jaunty, floppy leghorn comb. Right. But they definitely take on a lot of characteristics of the leghorn, mm. that's for sure. But they're very, very friendly. They are. We think that this breed is a good candidate if you're looking for a calm and friendly backyard layer that produces a lot. Right. And the, the speckled eggs are charming. Oh, yeah. And they're moderately active. They love to forage, but it's not as if they need tons and tons of space. Right. And I mean, who doesn't love a chicken that likes to go out, have some fun, go and lay a speckled egg? Yeah, they really do seem like a good match for the yeah. backyard flock. And they're gaining homestead. in popularity. They're definitely gaining in popularity. You can often find them in your local farm supply store. Which ours had it had them this year. Yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. For the first time that I've seen. I think so too. Yeah, I don't think I haven't seen I've them. I've not seen them no. before. It's a breed that keeps coming up. Yes. So I think it's going to be one of those to look out for. Probably. And given the popularity of brown eggs and speckled eggs. Right. It is a nice color if you're looking for that kind of a basket. Oh, yeah, definitely. The Wessel is an actual breed. It is. So if you're looking for a type of chicken that you can breed that gives you some of those fancy eggs this is one. Well, the difference between and we'll talk about because before we talked about Easter egg or not being a breed. Right. But that's because there are different breeds at any given time right. that make up that chicken. And they don't breed true. They don't breed true. So you could have this chicken, that chicken come together. It makes an Easter egg. Exactly. And Then the next time you have two totally different chickens. But to make the well summer, you will have the same chickens Yes, they absolutely breed true. Yes. They breed true. So that's the difference between those two things. So because are becoming so popular. If you find out that your local farm supply store has them, get there early because they will probably sell pretty quickly. I'm telling you, this year, chicks. I mean, when we had to get our last three chicks, mm-hmm. people were waiting around. It it was a little intense. It was. There was a lot of people it waiting was for chicks. Intense. Uh huh. I mean, in the last two three years, the popularity of chicken keeping has gone through the roof. And part of me is like, that's great because there's more people out there enjoying this great animal. Right. And the love that they give. Yes. And the other hand, I'm just like, everybody, please do your research and understand that chickens aren't always easy, but they're selling out everywhere, the chicks. Yeah. Well, again, the Well Summers will go quickly. They're popular, and rightly so. They have a lot to offer. Their coloring is gorgeous. Yeah. If you're into earth tones, especially, I, I love, you know, you can pick out like five or six different browns. Oh, yeah. The There's Very gold pretty. in there. Everything. Yeah. They're beautiful. So if you want some more information, you can go to the Well Summer Club of North America. Yes. For a they, breeder list. Right. They maintain a breeder's list. Exactly. So that's always a good idea. And you know what? You can go on Facebook. You can go on social media mm-hmm. and look for more groups because this chicken is up and coming. And everyone should really, I mean, if you haven't Googled it, Google it and take a look at it. It's a really cool chicken. This is a really nice breed. Again, they're only about 100 years old, but they have a lot to recommend themselves if you're just looking for a really good, say, homestead chicken. Oh, yeah, definitely. And the fact that they're calm and friendly, good around kids. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Okay, so now we're going to go across the pond and have coffee with the owner. Yeah. That's going to be my ongoing one. <laughs> please don't make me join in. Please. <laughs> So we're going to have coffee with Fiona now. And Fiona, just to let everybody know, also has a YouTube channel. English Country Life. Yes, that beautiful YouTube channel with all those wonderful videos. Thank you. Everything that we talk about here, all those questions. You can have a visual if you go over to YouTube and hit subscribe. And you can check out all those videos. And I will have links in our show notes. That's awesome. Hey Fiona how are you doing today? I've had a very good week
0: actually thanks. It's good. it's been uh, it's been really busy getting the garden ready for the new planting year and making sure that the chickens are okay. And yeah, it's been really busy. Yeah.
1: It's good busy. Like we've been saying all along come on spring spring just brings us whole new busyness to it. And it's awesome. It's like warm weather and, but it's a tease over here because it can be, we have the fall spring and then we get a cold snap again. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's warm and then we'll have like a 35 degree day thrown in there and you'll be like, but there's more daylight. That's the best thing. There's
0: more daylight.
1: Yeah. It gives you a little bit more time in the evening too, because like I always like to go out with the chickens like for a while before they go in. So it gives me a little bit more time to do other stuff before I go back out there and give them their time. I always go check
0: that mine have gone in. We've got auto closing doors and I still go out every single night and make sure
1: they're all in. Oh, yeah, I would too. I would would too. We hear really good things about the automatic doors, but I just I would still have to go out. I would do the same thing. Yeah, but the best
0: thing about them is it's the morning routine because uh, particularly when you've got dawn starting at 4 a.m., the doors just open automatically. They're not stuck in till nine when it's still daylight outside. So it's actually the morning where you see the most benefit, but I do still check every single night, which isn't great when it's, when it's not getting dark till half past 10 in the evening.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Or you're trying to make dinner plans, Joe will say to me like, oh my God, these chickens are ruling our life. Because Everything revolves around chickens. Put them to bed. Putting, putting the chickens up. to bed, it does. I can feed the sheep two hours early and they're fine, but the chickens? It's no. Yep. And then Joe will tell yep. are we just putting the chickens in? Are you kissing everyone goodnight? And I'm like, that's a dumb question. I'm kissing everybody goodnight. Aren't these things synonymous? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> what we want to talk about is to breed or not to breed. Chickens. Chickens, yes. (laughs) Breed chickens. (laughs) Just qualifying that one. Chicken breeding. Why might we want to
0: breed our chickens? You've got a lot more variety open to you than you would if you're buying. In the U.S., it, there's a, a big market for obviously buying chicks. But in the U.K. here, it's buying point of lay. And we discussed this in the U.S. versus U.K., yes. that most people buy point of lay, so much older hens. Right. But Actually, that market here in the UK has been drying up significantly. But even in the US, you may have more chance of getting a breed that you want by being willing to buy fertilized eggs and hatching them. Right. Or if you want everything to be completely cost-free, breed right. them. Get if your you cockerel, a get your flock of hens. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, even if you haven't got a broody hen, you can still incubate the eggs if you've right. got a flock of hens and a, and a cockerel. Right. So there's lots of reasons. If you breed, you can reduce your cost. That's the biggest reason for doing it. If you're going to hatch rather than breed, you open the
1: world up to a huge amount of breeds that you can access. That's true. And that that really matters to us, given the fact that some of the rare breeds we're interested in, you can't easily find in some areas of the country. Right. The regional, it feels like. And honestly, given the irregularities of shipping, Oh, the yeah. The past two years, it might be a much better bet to try to procure some hatching eggs. Right. Yeah. To try to- yeah
0: I mean, hatching oh. eggs are viable for up to two weeks. So even if there is a delay, they're more likely to still be viable when you get them.
1: Right. Right. What are some good guidelines for buying
0: hatching eggs? Well, the big one, particularly in the U.S., is because your country is so vast, a lot of your goods are going to be shipped via air. That really is a no-no for eggs. The negative air pressure and the low temperatures in the cargo hold will really, really impact those eggs. And the likelihood is they won't be viable when you get them. So if it's overland transport, that's fine.
1: Okay. Okay, so that's something to really consider. Make sure they're being shipped via truck or you're driving to get the eggs yourself. Make sure when you purchase them that they're not flying. Not air shipped, right. I mean, the best thing you can do is to
0: arrange to pick them up from somewhere. That's the, that's the ideal because they're less likely to be shaken or be subject to rough handling at all, because clearly you're handling them yourself. Right. Right. The real risk with eggs in the post is that they're shaken so much, and this is rare, they're shaken so much that the yolk actually breaks. Right. The other risk is that they're shaken to an extent that the air sac inside detaches, and you need the air sac for the chick when it's developed to actually hatch. If it Mm -hmm. can't access the air sac, it'll suffocate before it actually can hatch.
1: Okay. Wow. Yeah, that's no fun. No, that, those are definitely things you need to look out for. What are some good ways to evaluate the reliability of your egg source?
0: Look for an established breeder. And if you can get one who is, is happy to publish reviews, look at those reviews very, very closely. Ask them how they treat their eggs. One big mistake that a lot of amateur sailors make is that they wash the eggs. Okay. And the problem with that is that eggs, when they come out of a chicken's bottom, they have this lovely, wonderful protective coating on them that prevents right. bacteria getting in. And a lot of amateur sailors, unfortunately, because they want to present the eggs in the best possible light, because no one really likes to receive dirty eggs. But by cleaning them up, it actually causes more problems if you're going to hatch them. That's great if they're going to be eating eggs, but actually they're better off looking a little bit, you know, if they've got a little claw mark from the footprint of the chicken on them, don't worry about it.
1: It's the same thing here. We don't wash our eggs until we use them. And I try to tell everyone who I give eggs to, you don't clean them until you use them because... Once you clean them, that protective coat is off. Yeah, Bacteria can off. get in, mm-hmm. everything. So Absolutely. It's the same thing with hatching eggs, it makes sense. So, you've decided you want to hatch some eggs. So, what are the other decisions you need to make around this? Well, the
0: big one, and it's the huge elephant in the room, is the cockerels. Because on average, for every single hen, you're going to get at least one cockerel hatching. And in a commercial hatchery, the decision of what's going to happen to that cockerel is taken away from you. So if you're buying chicks or you're buying point of lay hens at an older age, someone's already decided how they're going to deal with those cockerels. So you don't have to face that decision personally. If you're breeding or hatching, you absolutely do.
1: So it's
0: very much so. It would be unfair to the cockerels not to know what you're going to do with them before you go ahead. And the choices are actually quite limited, but it's worth sitting down and having a discussion as a family or thinking about it if you're a single person and just deciding the best way that's right for you. And none of them are great decisions, it has to be said. None of them are fantastic and they all have downsides. But it's what works for you. And
1: that's why we so. talk repeatedly on this podcast about having a rooster plan. Right. And the rooster plan is not only hatching, but even buying from a hatchery. There's still a 10% There's, chance. Right. That there may be a rooster in the mix. So we talk about having a rooster plan, which is what you're going to do with your roosters. And honestly, people laugh because I've had chickens for 20 years and have never bred. But that's one of the reasons why. Because... The way I relate to my animals, it takes a lot for me to rehome an animal and I don't eat my animals. So the choice there is keep them. Or- right. I've never rehomed an animal. Right. So-, so and that is why I haven't bred because I knew that I had to be prepared to make a decision about what happens to any cockerels that hatch. And it's you have to be responsible, you know, right. and you just have to know that for every hen, this is what we were talking about before, for every hen, like you said, this there's a rooster. So, say you tried to, you know, hatch six eggs, you could have half roos
0: or more than that. Well, half. actually, the, the thing is we've had some sets where from an entire clutch. So, we've had a clutch of 12 where we had 11 cockles. Wow. We've had a clutch of 12 where we've had 10 hens. Right. So we've had a real mixed bag. So it's just an average of one for one. But actually, I saw a report recently that says it's more likely to be 60-40 in favor of cockerels. Oh, wow. Right.
1: So you're trying to breed yourself to get more hens usually. And then, boom… It's your first time you could be hit with all ruse or all ruse and one hen or that and before this happens is the time to make the plan, not once you have all of them.
0: Right. Yeah, and if you're not comfortable with any of the decisions, actually buying chicks or buying older hens Mm -hmm. is actually a very good choice. Right.
1: Again, just be responsible, have a plan in action. And know what you're going to do before you go ahead and say you're going to breed. It's just a responsible thing to do.
0: Yeah. I mean, the one thing I would say is be very wary of the option to sell or give away roosters because crossbreed roosters no one wants them there is virtually no market whatsoever in any country pure breeds for both keeping and giving away there's still an incredibly limited market i mean we do sell some starter flocks to people and that will involve six to eight hens and one unrelated rooster but you can see there that's eight hens and one rooster when actually you're getting a one-to-one on the hatch rate. So we've still got to do something with the other roosters that we're getting. Right.
1: So just the best that anybody can do and try to rehome as much as you can. It just comes down to what you're prepared to do if you want to breed. Right. The elephant in the room is you can let them grow to maturity and then have a table bird. If Every other possibility does not follow through for yourself.
0: You say growing to maturity and you could have them as a table bird, but actually, if you've bought your chicks or you have bought a point of lay bird, that you're actually giving the cockles that have been hatched a better chance and a better life than you would if you bought the point of lay or the chick. Right. Yes, it's right. a decision you have to make for yourself and you have to cull them for the table. But that cockerel has had a chance to live exactly. and had a chance to run around a field and, you know, right.
1: experience life. So it's a very hard decision, but a rooster plan must be in place. And we will say this. We don't like telling people what to do. We, we discuss what we want to do, but we're going to make an exception. If you breed, don't dump your roosters. Yeah. Don't just dump them somewhere. That's not cool.
0: I do know recently of a, a number of cockerels that were dumped in some local woodlands, and they didn't make it through the night. Yeah.
1: It's so sad. Have, have a, plan a plan in place. Roosters are emotive, intelligent animals that deserve better. So yeah. have your plan in place. Don't dump them. Bad things happen to them that way. Yeah.
0: These yeah. cockerels were on social media, and then apparently they were in the local Facebook group, and people were saying, "We'll go and catch them the next morning." They went out to catch them the next morning, and a fox had had annihilated all of
1: them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You can't wait through the night for that. No. no. So again, just have that plan, know what you're going to do, make a responsible decision, whatever you feel is best. And then if you do choose to breed, if you choose to breed, then we're going to go through right now the pros and cons breeding naturally and hatching in an incubator. So Fiona, go ahead and start us off.
0: Well, the pros of your breeding are that you've got the fertilised eggs on site. You've got your rooster, you've got your hens. So you're not having to spend any money. You're not having to worry about them being damaged in transport. They are there and you can collect them when you want. And you can either then put them in an incubator or under broody hen, whichever suits you. And you can have a chance to test your egg quality and the fertility rates yourself. So you're not relying on someone saying, oh, I've got 100% fertility from my cockerel, when actually you're not sure, you've never actually seen them carry out the test, you can do that testing yourself. So you can collect some eggs, put them in an incubator, have a look after seven days to see if there's any growth, and that'll give you a good indication if your roosters are doing their job you've actually got to have that rooster on site. And that can be a problem in some places. And actually a lot of properties, you know, as, as you well know, have
1: huge restrictions on whether you can
0: have noisy roosters.
1: So, so that's basically the cons of breeding yourself is that you have to maintain the rooster and you have to make sure, like you said, if the rooster's noisy, you might have neighbors complaining. Hopefully not. I love rooster sounds myself. I don't see what's so bad about mm-hmm. it. And that you have to, the other thing is you have to have at least eight hens per rooster, remember this.
0: You might be able to get away with six But it would be tight It would be really difficult And I would only say six If you've got a very large free range area If you've got them in a confined space You've got to have at least eight Because it's unfair on the hens Because those roosters are really rampant Is the only way to describe it I mean, we had one cockerel And this is the absolute truth We had ten hens at the time We would sit in the morning with a cup of coffee And, you know, just watch the chickens have a little bit of relax before we started work for the day. And we watched him tread all ten of those hens, he take a good. breath, and then tread all ten again. And that took Goodness. thirty minutes.
1: Did you slip something in his arm's shoes <laughs> that morning?
0: Th- this was perfectly normal. Yeah, yeah he was he was called Doodle as in Cockadoodle. Cockadoodle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Doodle was Energetic. Yes, very energetic. Very. Well, we've got one at the moment called
1: Ramses, who's just as bad. Oh, man. He's, he's a They're beauty. very spirited, it sounds they like. They really are. Ramses is beautiful. Your photos of him, he's gorgeous. Yes.
0: Thank you. And actually, we've published the video showing us how we went through the fertility testing on the YouTube channel. Oh, great. And he gave us, one of the tests
1: was 100% fertility. Good-looking and good at his job. And has good soldiers marching in.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that phrase. (laughs) But the last downside of breeding with your own hens and cockerels is that you're restricted to what you've got. So you don't get to experiment with lots of other breeds. Right.
1: Where if you have a fertilized egg that you're purchasing, you can purchase any type of chicken egg. (laughs) Yeah. Some of the rarer breeds are available here from some hatcheries that really specialize in some of the rarer breeds. But generally, those chicks are going to come straight run, which is great if you want to start a breeding program, but you still have to make that decision about how you're going to maintain any cockerels that show up in that batch. Okay, so there are some cons to hatching your own eggs in an incubator. Fiona, can you tell us about those? Yeah,
0: so even though you've got all of these breeds you could probably access that you can't when you've got a cockle and your own hens, you do have a potential for lower hatch rates because the eggs have got to be transported to you. So someone's got to collect the eggs from those chickens, pop them up for sale, you buy them, So that adds 24 hours, maybe. Then they've got to be packaged up, put into the postal service, sent over to you. So best case scenario
1: is going to be four or five days before you get them. That whole process can be kind of costly and expensive because you're going to be putting out the shipping cost and the price for the fertilized eggs, where if you're breeding yourself... You're not paying for any shipping or the eggs. It's all coming naturally.
0: Yes, it's low cost, completely low cost. But eggs are viable for up to two weeks. So if you get the best case scenario, it's actually not the end of the world. It's actually okay. The, the eggs should be okay. But the viability reduces as you get closer to the end of the two weeks.
1: And then okay. here's the other thing about viability is you don't know exactly who's handling these eggs, like we talked about previously. If they're washing them, if they're not washing them, those things affect the viability of the eggs. And yeah, very much so. You're not getting that information. So you could go through this whole process of trying to hatch these eggs and not even work at that point.
0: Yeah. And as, I, as I've said, you can have some sellers who say, We've got 100% fertility with our chickens. And actually, do you know that? Right. So it is really, really important, as I said before, check out those reviews and don't feel afraid to ask the questions. If there's anything you want to know about their hatchery, about their process, about how they collect their eggs, how they send them out, how they safeguard them from being shaken in the post. When I send fertilized eggs out, they're in specialist containers. They are marked with perishable, fragile live eggs in transit on the outside so no one can make a mistake that's awesome well having said that we still had a postal worker who brought us some fertilized eggs and he was actually turning the egg box he, he was he was literally throwing it in his hands oh. and i was shouting no, no stop! My Good heavens. oh my goodness Yeah, I had to explain to him exactly why it said fragile on it. It wasn't fragile because something was likely to break. It was fragile because there were live eggs inside. Oh, my goodness. And this is why I mark all boxes now with live eggs and
1: perishable. Exactly. Good heavens. So we just want to end this with if you're going to actually have a plan, look through all the pros and cons of either breeding yourself hatching an egg, and then again, have a plan in place for your roosters, but have fun with it. In the U.S. especially, it's a great option to get your hands on some breeds you would not otherwise be able to access. It's a way to avoid shipping, and the shipping has been extremely irregular the last two years. To have the egg ship, well, you're still going to have to have the egg ship. The only way to avoid that is to breed your own. I meant um, shipping chicks. Oh yeah, shipping actually the one-day-old chicks. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you're shipping the eggs versus the chicks. And then you go back and if you have a breed that you want to breed yourself. But really, if you think about it, even if you did a road trip to pick up eggs, it's a little easier than if you're making a road trip to pick up chicks. Much. You know, you're, you're much not, easier. Um, you know how the eggs have been handled. You're not worried about getting the chicks home instantly to get them under the brooder. That You're not sort of thing. sweating through 5,000 layers of clothing because, because you kept the car so at 99 degrees for however long you're driving, which I do all the time when I have chicks. But that The was- other thing is you
0: get to see the adults that the chicks actually came yeah. from. Yes. Yeah, and like, the best thing about hatching that you don't get from chicks is you actually get to see them break the way out of the egg, which is so amazing.
1: Yeah. Enjoy the process, which either one you choose, just to be responsible and have a plan And being prepared, that's all. And your plan really should include the worst case scenarios. For instance, if you have a broody hen and she decides not to finish her chicks, you have the incubator and a brooder on hand, et cetera. Which we're going to talk about. Being well prepared and being well prepared with some patience is probably the best idea. And it's a good experience (laughs) for families also. Just have a good time with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, once you've decided whether you're going to breed or whether you're going to hatch, you've then got another set of choices, which we'll talk about in another podcast, about what do you do with the eggs? Are you going to put them in an incubator and artificially incubate them? Or are you going to make use of a broody hen and put them under a broody for her to hatch them for you?
1: We cannot wait. So... We want to tell everybody that Fiona, once again, has a YouTube channel, English Country Life. It has the videos that correlate with everything that we talk about. So if you're more when you want to listen to us and then visually go over, check out the videos, please go over, subscribe, English Country Life. Thank you, Fiona. We love talking with you.
0: I love talking with you too. And there actually is a playlist called Breeding Chickens. So if you just want to look at those videos, look at that playlist. You should find everything that you want an answer to.
1: Okay, sounds great. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. So I just want to say thank you again to Fiona. We love talking to her. She is amazing. And some great points on why to breed, why yeah. not to breed. Maybe it's for you, maybe it isn't. It's a dangerous time of year to have that conversation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because now I'm like, hey, Pete, let's go <laughs> another coop. Given some of the shipping issues oh, yeah. the last two years, I don't know. And I love the idea of hatching under a broody hand, but I've been thinking seriously about getting an incubator. You have been talking about that a lot. I know. That could happen. Ooh, there could be babies. Okay, so it's <laughs> time for <laughs> crack in the Eggs. That was interesting. <laughs> the triple crack. <laughs> <laughs> this week, we're doing our recipe. Of yeah, we're making homemade egg noodles. Yay! Yeah, so these are fun. They take a little practice rolling them out, but you get used to it. So, homemade egg noodles, delicious. Oh homemade, my God. Comforting egg yes. noodles, delicious. Put them in broth. Yes. So, the beautiful thing about them is there's only two ingredients. That is amazing that something that good. It, two ingredients, and even better, one bowl. <laughs> that is, right? Less mess. So you can do this with regular flour. You can do this with gluten-free flour. If you're making this gluten-free, make sure you use a blend that has xanthan gum in it. Right. We like Bob's Red Mill 1-to-1 flour. It's actually super easy to make. You're literally going to mix the egg into the flour. You don't need a pasta machine unless you really want to have one. I have both. I have one where you roll by hand. huh And then I have the attachment that goes on my mixer. Okay, and I've used those when I've made raviolis before okay. and they've done great. To me, this you could maybe roll out yourself and then just cut. I just rolled it out myself. Yeah. I have a thing about having too many things to wash. Oh yeah. <laughs> I also have a ravioli knife, so it cuts it like scalloped. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's that's nice. Which it seems like they probably cause egg noodles are like that. Yeah. You could use the, the same you, thing. You absolutely yeah. could. I just do them with a knife so they're more like tagliatelle. Yeah, I think so. So the key with these is you want to roll them as thinly as possible. Right. And then you can cut them with a knife, a pizza cutter, the ravioli cutter, whatever you have. If you mess up while you're rolling out, just fold it back up, just like you're folding up a napkin. Right. And then re-roll it back out. Any portions that you're not rolling right away, keep them wrapped in plastic wrap. Okay. So they don't dry out. And also, should you put a little bit of extra flour down? Did you put extra flour when you rolled it a little bit? I, I rolled it on my pads. Okay. So I just put a tiny bit. Yeah. You don't want too much because you don't want it don't to... be gummy then. Exactly. You don't want to mess up the consistency. If you have something like pads to work on, that would yeah. be great. Yeah, definitely. Because you or, don't want it sticking either. I think you can, if you're fortunate enough to have like a marble countertop, I think you can roll it right out on a marble. Yeah. Yeah. So, very easy to make, very easy to cook. And you just boil them for 10 minutes in water or broth. Yep. And they'll take on the flavor. Exactly. And they're great. Served with butter, your favorite sauce. Uh-huh. Put in soups. I do egg noodles in all my soups. Yeah, that's delicious. Or casseroles. casseroles. Tuna noodle casserole. <laughs> he actually loves a tuna noodle casserole. Tuna noodle. Yeah. I mean, just you could simply do it with oil and herbs chopped yeah, up. Yeah, it's one of those things where you think it's so difficult uh-huh. It's really easy to buy the bag of egg noodles It is, well, it is, and then boil. But if you want to do something fun with your kids or just something fun and you're bored, this is one of those easy things to do. It's two ingredients. It's easy. And you can say, I made my own egg noodles. I made my own egg noodles with my own eggs from my own chicken. Exactly. That's fantastic. The other thing you can do, you can cook these and you can grate some salt egg yolk on oh, top yeah. of it. Yeah. It's fantastic that way. Oh, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. So, again, it's really simple. It's yes. fun. You can't go wrong. You cannot all you need go is wrong. Two ingredients, and yes. you're all set. I love it. So, again, if you make them, hey, email us, hashtag us, tag us. We, we want to see these see pictures them. of these recipes. Yeah, it's one of those back the basics recipes that you can really do anything with. That's easy. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so it's time to move on to retail therapy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we're excited again about a really awesome product this week in retail therapy. And we're using it in our runs and our coops. And it's a great idea for everyone to use it too. And it's first Saturday line. Yeah, I was really excited when I first saw this product because growing up with horses... You would use lime for a lot of different things. You would lime your fields. But lime is caustic, meaning if you used it, you didn't want your animals to, say, lick it or things like that. Exactly. this is very, very kid and animal friendly. It's person, animal, anything friendly. Yeah, it's very eco-friendly. There's a lot of good to say about it. So you have the 5-pound bag. Yes. And I was lucky enough to have the 20-pound bag so that I could use it in my sheep shed as well. Yes, so... I'm not only using this product in with my chickens, uh-huh. I'm using it around my house. Yeah, me too. In my gardens. We sometimes in the spring, early spring, and sometimes late summer get ants to come in like around oh, our deck. Yeah, uh huh. So I'm putting it around there also. Perfect. Natural because we have the three dogs walking outside, we have all the chickens. Uh huh. This product is amazing. It's going to help keep things dried out in a natural way. Yeah, yeah. So in your run, when it gets really wet and muddy. Mucky, yes. It's awesome to throw this and it kind of helps dry everything up naturally. I really liked it. Having a lot of chickens, they can kick food around. It rains, it gets wet, everything turns mucky and disgusting. And you don't want them eating that wet exactly. food. Exactly. So if you line the top of it, it absorbs the odors, it helps dry it out. It's even safe for them to eat. Right, if they choose to. If they choose to. I loved it in the sheep shed. This is the third product I've tried in the sheep shed for absorbing ammonia. Right. Because it can get very strong. Oh, yeah. So I put this down. And again, I don't have to worry. The sheep will lick it or snort it. You know, they stick their faces. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That just struck me as funny the way you said I don't said mean how to I, <laughs> <know>. <laughs> I like, snort it. Like. It's Saturday night. It's time to go <laughs> snort the first Saturday night. I just mean they'll stick their faces down there <laughs> and snuffle <laughs> my snorting sheep. But I don't have to worry about it because it's non-toxic for the sheep. It really did do a good job of absorbing the ammonia odors. Yeah. and kind of absorbing the moisture too so that I could just rake it out. And this product is one that you use along with your bedding in your coop. Right. So whatever bedding you're choosing to use, it goes right along with it. Yeah, yeah. Because the chickens are going to go to the bathroom in the coop. We clean our coops once a week. And by the end of the week, you're like, holy moly. Right. So So, again, it absorbs more of that ammonia. Right. And it makes cleanup easier. And it's supposed to last for one month. Uh And that's the whole purpose of the name is first Saturday. Every first Saturday to put the stuff down. Exactly. And you can really do that in your chicken run in your livestock runs and in the coop you're probably gonna be changing it a little more often because you're cleaning it a little bit more probably often. yeah so but that's okay because you don't you, you, you never need ton that of much it, right no, you're just gonna sprinkle it in there we absolutely love it this is another product that we give an a plus yeah definitely and if you can get your hands on this which you can you can buy it on amazon Uh-huh. They also have their website that you can purchase it through them. But how easy is it to go to Amazon. And it's fantastic. And we have our new storefront. Store the link is in the show notes. You can yes. go right there. We listed both sizes, the first Saturday lime on our storefront, so you can get it that way. That's the other thing. Everything that we're talking about that we really love, if we review it, we're using it. We love it. So we wanna make it very convenient for you if you wanna give it a try to find it. So now we do have Amazon, an Amazon storefront where everything that we talk about will be there. You don't even have to look for links, you just go right to our bio on Instagram and hit our storefront and it's all right there, convenient for you to find it. So if you wanna try First Saturday Lime, which we both highly suggest to try this, especially in the spring, when it's wet. Yeah, I mean, I really keep finding more and more uses for it. Again, when the runs get sloppy, you can use it to absorb odor, to try to dry things out, and to repel bugs. Flies are bad in yeah. in the summer mm-hmm. in coops. So put some of this in here. It's going to dry it out. The run where I have my Jersey Giants has a little bit of a swale to it where water gathers at the bottom. Right. And we did put this into stop mosquitoes from breeding in there. Oh, yeah. So that's been fantastic. And I'm looking forward to using it in my garden. Oh, yeah. Uh, we haven't tested this, but we probably will sprinkle it around in the dog yard because it will repel ticks. Oh, yeah. There's so many uses mm-hmm. for this product. Once you get it, it, right on the bag, it tells you, like, all the uses yeah, you yeah. can use and you're getting a lot of bang for your buck with us and it lasts a long time so check them out mm-hmm. go online check them out if you want to purchase it's right there in our bio and uh give it a try yeah it's fantastic thank you for saturday Live. yeah definitely so what will we be talking about next week next week we're talking about polish chickens Yay! our main topic is choosing a cockerel For your breeding program. With Fiona. With Fiona, yes. That's going to be so much fun. Yes, it will. And then we're going to be talking to someone special for cracking the eggs. Oh, yes. And for Rescue Spotlight. Yes. So we're going to talk to Christina. Oh, yeah. From the YouTube channel Baking with Chickens. And she's out in LA. Yeah. And she's super fun. So that will be fun. This is going to be so much fun to have Christina on and Fiona. On one episode. Right. So with Christina, we're going to talk about, she's going to help us with our crack and eggs. so We're going to be baking with her. And then instead of a retail spotlight, we're going to do a rescue spotlight. Yes. For her dude. Yes. And we're going to talk about when she adopted her Polish rooster through Adopt-A-Bird Network. Definitely. It's going to be a fun, fun episode. Don't miss it. But before we go, there's something else we need to tell everybody. Hug your chickens every day. Don't forget and kiss them too. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. If you'd like to see more of us, please follow us on Instagram at Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help us grow the podcast, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to become a patron of the show so that we can bring you even more high quality chicken content, please visit our Patreon page, patreon.com Coffee with the Chicken Ladies. Thanks for listening. <laughs>